Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to mystory@toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. God has given us many principles that impact our everyday lives, especially in our homes. Listen as Pastor Chad Gilligan teaches us about how we can apply these principles in this series called Family Matters. There's a story in the news this last week uh, that came out of the nation of Spain about a city that was taking some time to honor some individuals who served in their city, and they were honoring those that had been employed by the city, had faithfully, loyally served for 20 years or more, and as they looked into it, they found one individual's name, and as they looked into it more and more, they found out this starting claim about him, that this individual who they were about to honor for having served the city for more than 20 years, had been getting paid, had been getting recognized as an employee, but hadn't shown up to work for over six years. It's just this interesting story of bureaucracy and confusion and how he had an office and the whole bit and somebody thought he was doing this and somebody thought he was doing that and he was sitting at home studying philosophy. That's the way that this story went. It's interesting. Sometimes it helps to just show up. True? We're in a series called Family Matters and we're talking about the difference that it makes in our lives when we take God's principles and we apply them to the key areas of our life. And we're gonna talk about the things that impact us the most in our homes. Last week, we dug into the, the, the subject of marriage. And didn't Pastor Bill help us last week? That was such practical stuff to help us to know how to have healthy, and strong marriages and relationships. Next week, we're gonna look um, at the aspect of parenting, but look at it from a very kind of big bird's eye perspective. We're gonna talk about our work place here in a couple of weeks, and what does God's word say about the way that we are to serve him in the places where we work? But today I want to go back to to what many view as kind of the transitional verse in Ephesians chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, turn there with me today. If you remember several weeks ago, we talked about how the Holy Spirit works in our lives, and we ended with this part of Ephesians chapter 5 where Paul talks about what it feels like, what it looks like, what it means for us to be filled with the Spirit. And then he moves into all this dialogue about our marriages and our parenting, about our homes, about our workplace. And there's this verse that theologians would say is transitional between those two passages. What does it mean for us to be filled with the Spirit in our lives and yet also to live like Christ has changed us in our homes? And if it's Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, I want to tell you that the principle we'll look at here is bigger than your home. What we'll talk about today will apply to your life, I think, in every dimension, in every dynamic. It can make all the difference in whether you feel fulfilled in life or not. Did you get that? I'm stuttering. Fulfill, fulfilled, or not. Okay, it's going to make all the difference. And here's what he says. And let me encourage you, when you get this principle, it will make all the difference in your life if you'll just show up with it. Because for many of us, the difference in our homes... The difference in our workplace is that for years, we haven't even bothered to show up in this area of our lives. Ephesians chapter five, verse 21, Paul says this, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Isn't submit one of your favorite biblical words? It just has this, thank you, brother. (laughs) I need more of that today, if you don't mind. We, um, we, we put this negative connotation on that word. And here's what I want to encourage you with today. So many times we think of submission as me just, um, me just stopping, me just giving up, me just laying down, me just letting things happen. 
And the truth is this, submission requires initiative. As we look at what scripture says about this, part of the battle in this verse and what God is trying to communicate to us here is that you just have to show up. You have to do it. Submission is actually not that passive, it's actually more active, that I choose to submit. And what he says in this verse, as we'll see in just a moment, that you choose to be submissive in every area of your life. But what does that mean? And what I wanna do today is look at this kind of from four different angles, and if you will allow this to be applied to the way that you make decisions in your life, to the choices that you make, I believe it can make all the difference. I wanna give to you today four choices that can change your home Four choices that change a home. And if you'll make these choices based on what Paul has said to us in Ephesians 5.21, I believe it can make all the difference. Four choices that change a home. Let me give you the first one. Number one, I choose we over me. I choose we over me. Instead of just thinking about myself, I choose to think about us. I choose we over me. Let's back up for just a moment on the subject of submission and talk about it. The interesting thing about that word is, is that though so many times we think of it in this passive sense, here's what it actually kind of meant in a biblical sense. When Paul uses that word, and he actually uses it 23 times throughout his New Testament writings, he's making this point. He's speaking about order. He's saying that in everything that God has created, there is some kind of rule, there is responsibility, there are roles, and submission means that we bring ourselves into that order that God has created. He's basically saying this, for God's plans to work, there is some place where there must be structure, and we submit ourselves to the role that we play in that structure. When he talks about submission, he uses it when he talks about all the institutions that God has created. When he talks about government, he uses that word. When he talks about the church, he uses that word. And when he talks about the home, about the family, he uses that word. So submission has not this negative connotation, but this idea that there is a structure to effectiveness and success that God has created into things. I had an uncle who for uh, years and years lived in Europe and when he came home to back to the United States after having lived in Europe, he brought my mom and her sisters each this very um, kind of exquisite cuckoo clock that had been made in the country of the Netherlands. I mean, it was crafted by fine craftsmen. And my mom still has it, and it's this, it's this beautiful piece that just really is, is quite exquisite to look at. Now, here's the deal. We got it home, and it was beautiful. We put it on the wall, and my dad would get so frustrated with that thing because you'd swing the pendulum and it would work for a while and then it would stop working and it would drive you cuckoo. And this is, uh, that's why they call it that. And so this is, this is how this thing would work. And they would go on and on and on. And finally, my dad realized some things. He realized that as it hung on the wall, it was at a funny angle. He literally had to kind of put something behind it to make it straight and get it right. And then they had to mark the spots on the wall that it had to line up within because, yeah, if it wasn't, if it wasn't the way, and it actually wasn't even that straight. It had to be right for it, if that makes sense, right? You had to get it just right. But when you got that thing right, Man, it just worked. It just operated. When it was in balance, when it was lined up, when it was in the structure that it was designed to be in, as long as you gave it the care to raise the weights every so often, and it just was this beautiful accompaniment to our home. It was this great thing. But it had to be in the right way. 
Now look, God says, I have a plan for your home. I have a plan for your life. And it will be beautiful. And it will operate with very little care and maintenance if you'll do it my way. If you will submit yourself to the structure that I have designed. And so he gives to us this idea, and he says this, that submission is so significant. He says that everything that works has structure and order to it. If you think about this, all throughout his word, everything that works has structure, it has order to it, and there's no structure without submission. You will not be able to see something work and operate in your life unless you realize that at some point you have to submit yourself to how that structure works. Now, before you go too far with this, with this subject, and I know how this plays out, just so you know, I'm not, I'm not speaking to wives today, and I'm not speaking to husbands today. I'm speaking about a biblical principle that God has put there, that there is no structure without submission. And here's what he talks about in Ephesians 5.21, two words. He talks about mutual submission that I'm willing to say that we is more important than me. This biblical concept of mutual submission. Let's unpack it in the different relationships real quick so you can see what it looks like. Ephesians chapter five, verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. And hasn't that been the favorite scripture of husbands for centuries? Man, when things get, whoever said amen, you've got a long day ahead, brother. Long day ahead, because I know your wife. You got a long day ahead, okay? Here's, here's the deal. We love that verse. When times get tough, wives, you submit to your husbands because God said so, and so do I, right? It's the way we kind of we view that. That verse has been so misread over the centuries. <laughs> now I got all the ladies wound up. Hey, <laughs> I'm so glad there's an exit door right there because I'm faster than all of you, and this is, look, here's the idea. We think of submission as servitude. It's not what it means. Here's what it says. Submission is this. I give myself to you. I recognize that as God has created this relationship, I give up my rights. We'll talk about this in a moment. I give myself to you. And it's this beautiful thing in mutual submission because that's how marriage works. Now watch this. For centuries, for years, we've read that verse and we stop there and we say, man, have we showed the women how it's supposed to be. If you think the women have it bad, look what Paul goes on to say. Ephesians chapter five, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Let me paraphrase this in the Chad Gilligan version of the New Testament. Are you ready? Wives, Submit to your husbands. Husbands, die for your wives. Wow. Wow. This is the most excited any of you have been in years. Okay, here's the deal. It's me saying, it's you saying, it's us saying in whatever relationship it is, I'm willing to give myself to you. I'm willing to submit myself. That is what submission is all about. And here's what I want you to see here. Mutual submission is the key to marital success. Mutual submission. What do they say? It takes two to tango? Mutual, I think that's biblical. Mutual submission (laughs) is the key to marital success. The plans that God puts in his word work. I'm telling you, they work. But on these principles that we're going to look at the next few weeks, for them to, for them to operate the, God has, the way that God has designed them to, they operate best when we mutually recognize how they're supposed to operate. Mutual submission is the key to marital success. 
Let, let's take that to the next relationship that he talks about. Ephesians chapter six, verse one. Here's one of the other most favorite verses of families in scripture. Ephesians six, one. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Yes. It's in there. I did not make it up. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. But look, it, it goes both ways. Ephesians chapter six, verse four. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Mothers, go ahead and exasperate your children, I guess, according to that. Uh, no, 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 it's, 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 it's an overarching statement that he's making here, right? We'll, we'll look at this next week. But here's his point. Children and parents, you mutually give of yourselves to each other in the roles that God has called you to. If mutual submission is the key to marital success, I want you to see this, that mutual submission creates a functional family. When I'm willing to look at we instead of just me, that mutual submission is key to creating a functional family, a healthy family. We'll dig into that a little bit more next week. Let me unpack that as we keep talking here today. One other relationship that I think is important for us to look at. It, as Paul's writing this, you've got to remember the context that he's writing in. And he's writing in this context of, of, of a... Of a, of a of a system, of a social system that still involved slaves and masters. And the principles that we see there, and we'll look at this in two weeks, easily transfer into our workplace with employees and employers. And so um, allow that kind of parallel to help you in the overall principles that we look at. Ephesians chapter six, verse five says this, slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. You see what he's talking about there? Give of yourself. It's this idea of submission, and it's mutual. Ephesians chapter six, verse nine. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Do you see this idea of mutual submission? Mutual submission not only affects for us to have a success in marriage and to have a functional, healthy home, but mutual submission enables a healthy work environment. And I know that one's a little bit tricky. And again, two weeks, we'll, we'll dig into that a little bit more. But understand this overarching principle from Scripture. When we realize this, it'll make all the difference. We are on the same team. Both of, um, both of our boys played a lot of basketball when they were young, and uh, I used to love to go to the games, and I can remember when they would play like um, city ball or they play like rec leagues in the YMCA. I remember the YMCA leagues, which were cool. It was kind of like just watching kids run and throw things, and, and um, they never kept score um, like formally, but every parent did. I'll tell you that right now, right? And I remember, I think both boys did this at some point. You know, you're sitting there in the bleachers, and um, it's, this, it's this moment where somebody puts up a shot and it misses. It bounces off the rim. And, and my boy, sorry, my boy jumps up and grabs that ball. My boy became a man in that moment. <laughs> Takes that ball. He goes up hard and he puts that back up there, bounces off the backboard through the rim and makes it right through that basket. You jump to your feet because my boy just did that. And then you realize that the rebound he got was under the other team's basket and he just scored for the other team. <laughs> and everybody in the bleachers looks at you and goes, that's your boy? <laughs> it's no fun when you score one for the other team. You're on the same team. Husbands and wives, parents and children, 
whether you realize it or not, employees and employers, we're supposed to be working together. We need this big picture. Choose for it to be about we, not just about me. Now, let's, let's make this a little more practical and a little more painful. Here's the second choice we've got to make. Number two, I choose my role over my rights. I choose my role over my rights. So let's deal with just one fact. Let's get it out there right now, why this word is not so popular. It's because submission is scary. Submission is scary. Because when I say I'm going to submit, it means that I may not get what I want. If I say I'm going to submit, it may mean that I'm not completely in control in this situation. Here's what submission says. Submission is about what's best for the other person, not just for me, based on the role that I've been called to. It's not just what I want to do, but it's being willing to say I will submit to what I'm called to to do that. Okay, so maybe the most, the most practical way for some of us to, to kind of understand this or dig into it is, is the process that happens when you become a parent. Because when you become a parent, all of a sudden, your life is not just yours anymore. True? I mean, that happens when you get married. But when you become a parent, it's, it's totally different. I remember that before I became a parent, I valued my days off in this way. It was, it was my day. I did my thing. It was about me. And then all of a sudden, there's this person in my house that on my day off screams and demands things from me all day long. I mean, I remember this. I, I have this very vivid memory of, of after Clayton was born, I was on my day off. I don't think Rhonda was home at the time. And he had one of these moments um, where he just kind of started crying and he was unsettled and he wouldn't settle down. You know those moments, right, as a parent? The only thing that would settle him is if I held him and walked. It's my day off. I got stuff I want to do. I don't want to be walking around with this kid who, by the way, during that process started to smell really bad. And I'm walking, and he's yelling, and I'm walking, and he finally settles down. And there wasn't this moment where I went and put him on the couch and said, look, I'm going to talk to you about my rights. I want you to stop acting like a little baby and grow up. I didn't do that. Why? Because I recognize this. I remember this so clearly. I remember I was walking, you know, and you're bouncing, you're kind of holding him, you're doing the thing. And I remember I'd ran out of places to go, so I was just kind of walking through the living room, through the kitchen. I would go into the little half bath, do a loop, and then go back. You know, this was the little apartment we had going back and forth. I remember walking into that bathroom, and I looked in the mirror, and I remember saying to myself, this is the coolest thing that's ever happened to me. This is so awesome. I'm a dad. And in that moment, I didn't care about my rights because I was so thankful for the role that God had called me to. And I was willing to forfeit my rights so I could fulfill my role. Does that make sense? Look, what happens though over time is when they get older, when that relationship changes, the smell never changes sometimes, right? <laughs> But I forget the value in that as a parent and as a child. Submission means forsaking what you want to do to fulfill what you are called to do. My role as a husband, my role as a father, my role as an employee or an employer or a wife or a mother. Let's just, let's just make it real simple for all of us. My role as a Christian, my role as a follower of Christ my role as a brother or sister to another believer means this, that there's times when I forsake what I want to do so I can fulfill what I'm called to do. Does that make sense? When I focus on my rights, it prohibits me from fulfilling my role. 
Because so many times I wanna go, man, I wanna do what I wanna do. Focusing on my rights prohibits me from fulfilling my role. It can keep me from being effective in what God has called me to do. And I just want you to get this. I will miss God's calling on my life if I am too consumed with my own. I will miss God's calling on my life if I'm too consumed with my own. The biblical role of the husband is as the leader of the home. That's your role. Not so you can lord it over your wife and your children. No, that's so you can just be the only one who ever holds the remote control. Ooh, touched a soft spot there with that family. Sorry, sister. Um, It comes with authority, but it also comes with humility. Submission requires sacrificial service. It's a cool thing that I'm the head of my home, but that also means that someday I'm gonna stand before God and he's gonna say, hey, you're responsible for what happened at your address. Parents, the, the responsibility and accountability that comes with the role that we've been called to is a huge thing. Believers, and we don't have time to unpack this, but this is exactly what Paul talks about in Romans chapter 14 and 1 Corinthians chapter 8 when he says, look, make sure that you're not a stumbling block to the weak. He's saying, is there something in your life that could be destructive to another believer? Because the well-being of another believer has, has more value than the fulfillment of my desires. This is where the burden of leadership comes in in times. You know, oftentimes we say, I want expanded leadership. I want expanded authority. But I think if you've, if you've received that, you know that with, that with leadership and experience and opportunity, there also comes sacrifice and responsibility, right? And it's only effective if I will choose my role over my rights. I'll miss God's calling in my life if I'm too consumed with my own. This is why, listen to this passage, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset. I think the King James Version says, have the same attitude as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus said, I have the right to do anything I want, but my role requires that I will lay down my life so that I can save humanity? Am I willing to say no to my rights so that I can say yes to my role? Let's put that right back in the home for a minute. It may mean that there's a season of your life where you choose to put some activity, some hobby, not a bad thing, it could be a good thing, but you choose to put it on hold for a season because you know that your time and your efforts are more important somewhere else. It means that there's a time where you say, maybe it's not that important that I win that argument. What do you do with your time? What do you, what do, you do with your money? 
How do you invest in your kids, your grandkids? Maybe it's a mentor relationship in the workplace where you could make all the difference if you'd be willing to invest in that person. Maybe you choose to let someone else succeed because you know the difference that that will make. Are you willing to to choose fulfilling your role even if it means that you forfeit your rights? And look, this um, this is what comes our way sometimes when people end up having a conversation in the atrium, or you end up in a pastor's office, and you say, look, something's just not right in my marriage, or uh, things aren't so good at home, there's this issue in the workplace, or ah, my relationship with my parents. There are these times when we've allowed this, this aspect of, of mutual submission, of giving of ourselves to the other person, of, of fighting for our own rights, to allow us to be in a place where our lives or our families are, are out of alignment. They're, they're, not, um, they're not growing in the right way. You know, if you, if you break a bone, and then if you don't get it set the right way, it'll start to heal in a way that's out of alignment, right? Have you ever heard of that? Sometimes people break a leg, or I read about a guy that broke his wrist years before and then realized there was a problem and he went into the doctor and the doctor said, well, did you have something happen? He says, yeah, but I never really got it looked at. And he said, well, you, you broke your wrist. Now it's out of alignment. The only way that this is gonna get better is if we reset that break. Reset is a nice way of saying re-break, re-pain, <laughs> re-hurt. But sometimes the only way that you can help something to be in alignment is to go back and do whatever you gotta do to fix it. Does that make sense? I don't mean re-break something. Don't go in and have a fight again so you can start over. But I do mean, is there a moment where you have to make a hard choice and humble yourself to your husband or your wife? Have a tough conversation with your parent or your child and say, "Um, my rights have been more important than my role. And I need to let you know that um, I'm gonna make sure there's a change in this relationship. What kind of change? Let me give you a third choice. Um, And they they just get uh, a little bit more personal. Number three, I choose to serve over myself. Third choice that we need to make, I choose to serve over myself. And that's such a a critical choice that we make. It's a tough choice. But Jesus helped us to see how this plays out. Mark chapter 10, verse 41. He had uh, this situation where a couple of the disciples were saying, Jesus, what do we have to do to be the greatest in your kingdom? How can we be your favorites? How can we have the best seats at the table? And when the other disciples heard that question, they were so thrilled, right? They were like, who do they think they are? And watch what Jesus said, verse 41. When the 10 heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, now watch, watch the progression of his thought here. You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
just super quick, let me, let me talk about some thoughts that Jesus drops right there about the importance of being a servant over, let's just say, selfishness. First, the world is consumed with self. Isn't that true? I mean, that's, that's, that's and, and I'm not blaming culture. I'm not blaming the world. I'm saying that's Chad Gilligan, right? <laughs> yes, it is. And that's you, if we're honest. What's our primary instinct? Self. The world is consumed with self. But understand this, that a self-consumed world is a very little place. It's a small world after all. A self-consumed world, when you're so focused on yourself, your world becomes a very little place. When I am the center of my world, my world gets smaller and smaller. That's just the way it works. That's just the reality of life. And Jesus said this. He says, look, the, the people of the world outside, the Gentiles, he says, they lord their authority over each other. He says, it's not supposed to be like that for you. Here's why. And I want you to see this. If I'm driving down the road and all of a sudden I look up in that rearview mirror and I not only see the car behind me, but I see the guy behind the wheel and I'm like, you handsome devil. You look really good today, buddy. Check out that hair. Look at that, you know, you start checking yourself out. You look in that mirror for too long, what are you gonna do? You're gonna crash. You're gonna have an accident. Because when you're so self-consumed, you miss out on the whole world around you. And eventually something's gonna come crashing in. Jesus didn't say that for us to be sadistic. He said that for us to be wise. He said, look, if you're self-consumed, your world gets really small. Here's what he says. Greatness comes from serving. Greatness comes from serving, from what we give, from who we are. He says, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Now look, I, I know that's tough. Here's the reason why I know it's tough. Because I hear it all the time from, from parents who say their kids don't get it and from kids who say their parents don't understand from husbands and wives who have had a hard time enjoying life together. And I guess my question is this, and I don't mean to be rude. How's that selfishness working out for you? Because eventually what happens over time is when I keep focusing on myself, it affects those other relationships. And I've got to tell you, how's that, how's that selfishness working out for you? Studies will show, and this is true, that I find more fulfillment when I serve others than when I'm focused on myself. You looking for happiness? You looking for greatness, Jesus said? He says, then you choose to be a servant. Fulfillment is found more by the one in relationship of serving than the one who focuses after selfishness. And oftentimes, where does my selfishness come from? I don't know what it's like for you. My selfishness comes from my own inadequacies. It comes from my fears. It comes from my weaknesses. It comes from the fact that I'm unfulfilled. When if I'll just shift that, and if I'll realize that if I will serve others more than self, there's a fulfillment that comes. In fact, Jesus says it this way, that the one who wants to win it all must choose to lose themselves. The one who wants to win it all which I think so many of us do. I don't like to lose. I want to win. I'm driven to succeed. But I've got to recognize what Jesus said. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. Whoever wants to win must choose to lose themselves. 
I don't know what your workplace is like, and you've got dynamics and a context that, that only you can understand. However, what if you took Jesus to work with you with an awareness of others, and you just consciously said, Jesus, how would you serve here today? And would you serve others through me? And let him lead you. He'll help you to know when you've got to stand for what's right and when it's right to forfeit your rights. The Spirit comes to guide us in that if we'll let him. That sounds great, preacher. It's good stuff, Chad. I see where it's biblical, but you haven't been hurt the way I've been hurt. You don't know how that relationship ended. You don't know the story of my marriage. You've never met my boss. That's what some of the Calvary people say. You've never met my boss. You don't know what it's like. You know, I, I had this church experience, and it still haunts me. Look, all that pain is really, really, really real. I don't want to deny that. I just know this. I don't want you to let past pain keep you from the beauty of living under the structure that God has created. And if you forfeit his blessings and pleasure and life today in your home, in your workplace, in, in that relationship, if you forfeit that today because pain in the past, you are robbing yourself from what God has in store for you. About eight or nine years ago, we were in a, in a pretty serious car accident in our, our Van was totaled because we got rear-ended, and it was, it was, it was a pretty, pretty messy deal at the time. But you know what never crossed my mind? It never crossed my mind, I will never drive again. I got back behind the wheel because I knew that was the only way my life was going to get anywhere. Now, I'm not going to lie. Every time I go through that intersection, do you know what I think about? <laughs> think about the accident every time. Every time I go through that intersection without fail. But I never think I'm gonna get out from behind this wheel. Look, if you give up on this principle just because you've seen some pain, you're gonna miss out on God's best for your life. Instead, can I encourage you, in those moments, choose to serve over self. Here's why, because Jesus says our success is measured by serving. He said, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, that's the target. He's gonna measure your success by how you serve. Which takes us to this last um, choice I hope you'll make. Choice number four that can change a home. I choose Christ over any other cause. I choose Christ over the cause of me being right. I choose Christ over the cause of you being wrong. I choose Christ over this thing that I want. I choose Christ over that thing that's out there. It will make all the difference if I will choose Christ over any other cause. Here's why this is so significant. Paul says to us this idea of mutual submission. He says, submit to one another. Do you know how radical that was? In that day and time, in that Roman Empire culture that had been so affected by Greek philosophy, for them to say that those in positions of power would ever submit to anyone else, people went, Phew. 
we don't get that at all. Paul says, here's why. I'm calling you to submit to one another, to think we over me, to choose your role over your rights. I'm, choosing, I'm calling you to serve over your selfishness, and here's why. You do it out of reverence for Christ. You do it because of what he's done for you, not because of that other person, not because of their value, not because of any other thing. We choose to serve. We choose to, here's the word, we choose to submit. We choose to give of ourselves in that relationship. Man, is that huge into marriage. Parents and kids, man, is that huge in the home. If I'll choose to do that, I do it not because you deserved it. I don't treat you right because you're so great. I do it because of who Christ is and what he's done for me. Too many times we find something to make the focus of our lives outside of our relationship with Christ. Let me just take it in the context of marriage or, or the home, whatever that, that, that place is. Maybe you have an issue with a sibling. Maybe you have a challenge as a parent or a child with a parent or a child. Maybe there's those, those, that tension that comes. Even when it comes to discord in the home, we're so quick to blame others. It's my spouse's fault. It's my parent's fault. It's my child's fault. It's my boss's fault. It's the team I work with. We, we come to those things and we blame others. Or we try to please others. I do what I do so you'll be happy with me. Can I throw this out in this thought as we talk about living for Christ? Understand this, you will not answer for any other person, just yourself. Someday when you stand before God, he's not gonna look at you and say, what, uh, what kind of wife was Rhonda? He's gonna say, Chad, what kind of husband were you? And you're not gonna answer for any other person. There's this interesting story in John chapter 21. After Jesus gives forgiveness and restoration to Peter, Peter's first thought is he points over at the apostle John and says, how about him? What's gonna happen to him? How about that guy? We're so quick to go, okay, that's me. Now what about them? Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? I sure wish I could hear Jesus' tone of voice when he said that. <laughs> oh, Peter. If I want him to live forever, what do you care? You must follow me. You, Peter. You do it, husband. You do it, wife. You do it, employee, employer, father, mother, kid, brother, sister. It's you. You don't answer for any other person. When you stand before God, you know who he's going to ask you about? You. Did you fulfill the role that I called you to? Not, hey, how'd you like those rights I gave you? That, that's, that's his point in this idea of mutual submission. You will answer for no other person than yourself. And I want you to get this, because this is really key. Not only will you not answer for any other person, you will not answer to any other person. Just Jesus. When you stand before him, that's what matters. Whether your spouse understands what you're doing now or not, whether your parent sees that, whether the people you work with understand why you live the way you do, you don't answer to anybody but him. Romans chapter 14, verse 10. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, Every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God, so then each of us will give an account of ourselves 
to God. Look at that last line. Each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Anybody else slightly terrified? Each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Aren't you glad he's a God of mercy and grace? So in these relationships, man, this is, I know we have the love and respect seminar that's coming up. This is one of the key principles that I took. It is, by the way, whether you've been through it or not, I would encourage you to be a part of that. It is the very best, whether you're married or engaged, it is the very best material on marriage that I've, that I've seen as far as a teaching. One of the key principles that they say is when you, when you have that moment of conflict with somebody else, recognize that Jesus is standing over their shoulder. And it's not that person that you answer for or answer to. It's that relationship that you have with Christ that determines what kind of relationship you have with your spouse. Does that make sense? Which brings this down. Submission only matters is if it begins with our submission of our lives to Jesus Christ. The ultimate step of submission It's not giving yourself to your husband or your wife. It's not surrendering your rights to serve your parent or your child. It's not how you walk into work tomorrow and the attitude that you have. Ultimately, it all begins with this. Have I surrendered and submitted my life to serve my Lord and my Savior? Because we're talking about family matters, right? And I can tell you that every part of your home will be unstable if you don't start with your submission to Christ as your foundation. I've I've been really privileged to to have the opportunity to travel to some unique places, to some of what the world would label as third world countries. And I've seen the, the homes that people live in in Madagascar and in Haiti and in parts of Africa. And these are places where when there has been natural disaster, whether you call it strong winds and storm, whether you call it an earthquake, I've seen that, that when these tragedies have come, they have devastated communities. And here's why. I've seen the homes. The homes have been built, no matter how elaborate they are, whether they're just a tin shack or a concrete building, they've not been built with the proper foundation because they don't require that in that place. They don't have the resource. This is not their practice, whatever it might be. And so what happens is every time the earth quakes or the wind blows, that whole home is shaken. And oftentimes there's destruction that comes. And here's the main reason why. The main reason why is because that home doesn't have the right foundation. Look, for some of you, every time there's a little quake or the wind blows in your marriage or in your relationship with your family or in the workplace, you feel like my whole house is caving in. You know why? Because maybe your foundation isn't right. Maybe the place you've got to start isn't submitting to your wife or your husband. Maybe it's submitting your life to Christ and saying, God, not only does my marriage belong to you, not only do my children belong to you, God, not only does my future belong to you, but God, I belong to you. I choose to give myself fully to you. And I will tell you this, you want a choice that's gonna change your home? Choose to give your whole life to Christ because when you start with that surrender, then everything changes. Isn't that true? So can you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me for just a moment? And in this last moment that we have together, here's here's my question. A message like today, the Holy Spirit has the, the power God's word says to apply it to our hearts, to speak truth to us. So my prayer is always that somewhere in here, there's been something that every one of us will have that we can hold on to as we go out of here and into our week. But it may be for you that the place where this has to begin today is with submission to Christ. 
And you say, I've been trying to do this on my own. And God, I can't do it on my own anymore. Maybe you've never heard of what Jesus has done for you. But you've allowed your failures, your mistakes, your your sins, scripture calls it, to hang over your head. And it's affected your relationship with God. God's word says that Jesus came and he walked this earth and he lived a life without sin. I mean, we sang about it this morning, but he bled and he died on a cross to take away our sins. And then he rose again on the third day so that we could know life through him. Maybe you've never accepted that life that he can bring, or maybe you have, but you're not living in it. And you know that the only place that this has got to start for you is making Christ the foundation of your home, of your world. And today you want to submit your life to him. We talk about making him our Lord. That means we give him control and we, we, we make him our savior, which means he becomes our forgiver, our best friend. He gives us life. If you just say, Chad, as you close in prayer, would you pray for me? Because I need to submit my whole life to Christ today. If that's you, would you just, just raise your hand? Heads bowed, eyes closed. That's just you. Yeah, thanks, thanks. Thank you. And thanks. Anybody else? You can raise your hand, put it right back down. That's, that's me today. Yeah, thanks. God, my foundation is shaky unless I submit myself to you. Anybody else? Would you just raise your hand if that's you? So I'm going to ask that, that if you raised your hand or if you know that Christ is the foundation of your life, would you pray this prayer with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus for sending your son to die for my sin. And I ask today that you'd forgive my sin, that you'd change my life, that you'd give me life through your resurrection power. I submit myself to you In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today for the first time, I want to encourage you, stop by our Connection Center. There's some friends there that would love to talk with you a little bit more about that decision. We have a Bible we want to give to you. And I just want to encourage you in that uh, great choice to make Christ the foundation of your life. Father, as we go from here, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the way that you speak to us. We ask that you would go with us. Send us out with your special favor and your wonderful peace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message from Calvary Church. If you made that decision to follow Christ, we would love to celebrate with you. Send us an email to mystory@toledocalvary.org and let us know how God brought life change to you.